don't know if you know this, but we live stream on Facebook, but we also live stream on YouTube. And so all of those who are watching us today on YouTube, we are so glad that you're connecting with us. And you got to love YouTube because I'm now watching myself watch myself. <laughs> That's awesome. That's weird. But one thing I love about YouTube is that you can, you can search for instructional videos that will give you an example or encouragement in how to do something. I remember several years ago, uh, the window regulator in our uh, SUV went out, and my wife asked me to order that and to install that. <laughs> and uh, so, so I, I eventually ordered it, and it, it came in, and it was still in the box, and I kept saying to her those famous words of every husband, I'm going to get to that. And one night, I was sitting in my recliner, and I could see out into the garage that the garage light was on. I went out into the garage, and my wife had replaced the window regulator in the SUV. I was amazed. I mean, she's an amazing woman. She can do anything like that. And I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I just had some free time. I thought I would just knock this out. She had searched on YouTube how to replace a window regulator in a 2002 MDX, and she went out there and accomplished it in a short amount of time. It would have taken me forever uh, to do it. And, you know, I just love that about YouTube. If you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I smoke a turkey for uh, my Thanksgiving meal or how to change a window regulator or, or whatever it is, you can usually find examples on YouTube of someone who's already done it, someone who's gone before you. And through their example, you're given an encouragement that you too can do this. And you know, I think that's important for us in every arena of life, but especially in the spiritual things of our lives as followers of Jesus. There are times that we know that there's something we ought to be doing, but we need a little encouragement through the example of others, in order to nudge us to move forward in that spiritual discipline. Maybe it's attending church, or maybe it's growing in your faith with other believers by getting into a small group. Uh, maybe you need a little encouragement and instruction on how to share your faith with other people who don't yet trust in Christ as Savior. And then, of course, I think all of us, at one point of our Christian journey, need some encouragement and examples of what it means to give, to give of ourselves, to give of our time, to give of our service and our abilities and our talents to help meet the needs of other people around us. But we also need encouraging examples of what it means to give financially. And that's what I want to talk to you about today as we're in this season of giving that we call our Love Jack's emphasis, our Be Rich, where we're instructed in the Scriptures to be rich in good deeds, to, to be generous in doing good for other people. So during this season, I want to talk to you about how to give that pleases God, giving that pleases God, that, that gains His approval, because I think we could grow in this area. Maybe you're already there. Maybe you say, I don't need this. Well, it's in the Bible, so we all need it. Or maybe you're saying, man, I picked the wrong day to come to church. That's all they talk about. Last year when I was here, he was talking about giving. But listen, if you've been around our church for any length of time, you know something about me as your pastor. I don't use guilt. I don't use manipulation. I don't use Madison Avenue tactics to manipulate people into giving. I share the word of God. I cast the vision for what God is calling us to do collectively as a congregation. And I trust the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life. And the rest is between you and God. 
And I know that sometimes pastors shy away from talking about giving because there are so many out there, preachers and others, who have abused this. It's all about them and their lavish lifestyle or the next jet they need. But that's not who we are as a church. In fact, unlike many churches in America, if you want to know where your money goes, call the office. We'll give you a printout that shows you our total budget and every line item where your money goes. Not every church does that. We are absolutely transparent. And the reason I don't shy away from preaching about giving is it's in the scriptures. And also, we're doing something important here. We are making an eternal difference in the lives of this community and this world as we share the gospel and as we meet the needs of people in practical ways. And I just won't ever shy away from asking you, invest in that. You'll never regret investing in what God is doing. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to take you there because the Apostle Paul wanted to write a letter, among other reasons, to encourage the Christians in the city of Corinth in the first century to give. They had, they had a desire to give. They, they talked a lot about, we're going to give. Uh, they probably had a a sermon or two on giving, and the church members all said amen. But the problem was in the Corinthian church, they had never really gotten around to actually giving to a love offering that they had agreed to give to meet the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. So as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 12 today, we see that Paul wants to encourage them to follow through in their pledge to give to meet the needs of the Christians in the city of Jerusalem. And he wants to give them two examples of sacrificial giving in order to encourage the Corinthians to follow through and to do what they have said they're going to do. Now, the reason Paul is taking up this love offering is because back in Jerusalem, the mother church, the Jewish church, where it was primarily Jewish Christians, they were going through a severe time of famine. They could barely put food on the table. And because of that, Paul thought it would be a great way to show the unity in the body of Christ between Jew and Gentile, that in Christ we're one, by encouraging the Gentile churches to take up a love offering and send it to the church in Jerusalem. And he's going to give them an example of churches that have done that in order to encourage the Corinthians to follow through with theirs because they were conspicuously tardy in their giving. A year's gone by, and they haven't yet given to this love offering. So if you want giving that pleases God, let me give you the first characteristic that we'll see here in this passage. And that is, if you want to please God, give sacrificially. Whenever you give, give sacrificially. That pleases God. Sacrificial giving. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writes, We want you to know, brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He's, he's using the Macedonian Christians as an example and an encouragement to the Corinthian Christians. Look at how they have given sacrificially. And he points out the Macedonians because they were going through their own pain. They were going through their own time of severe testing and extreme poverty. 
It wasn't that the Macedonian Christians were just absolutely filthy rich and it didn't hurt them at all to write a big check and send it to Jerusalem. No, they were hurting themselves. They were poor themselves. And yet they found it in themselves by the grace of God to give sacrificially to this love offering. Macedonia is in uh, northern Greece and there were three primary churches that Paul is referring to in that region. He's referring to the church of Philippi, the church of Thessalonica, and the church at Berea. Those three churches in Macedonia were poor churches. In fact, that Roman province was a poor region, even in Paul's day. Uh, before, I don't know, maybe 37, 38 B.C., uh, that whole region had gone through 18 years of Roman wars. And it decimated the population. It decimated the economy. And because of the ravages of war in Macedonia, they never really recovered. So even all the way now in Paul's day, it is still a poor region in the Roman Empire. And yet, these Macedonians who are at the bottom of poverty... That's literally what Paul means when he says they're extreme poverty in verse 2. That word uh, is where we get our English word bathysphere. Remember that submersible that would go down and plumb the depths of the ocean? Speaks of the bottom of the ocean floor. That's the word Paul uses here. He's talking about they were at the very extreme bottom of poverty. And yet they, they overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He's saying, it's amazing what they have done. Too often we come up with excuses of why we can't and why we can't do it now and why later is a better time. No one, no one would have blamed the Macedonian Christians if they would have said, listen, we want to get in on this love offering. It's just not a good time for us. Don't you see how the economy is going through a recession? Don't you see that we're struggling? Don't you see that even if we give, it's not going to be a large dollar amount? But that's not how they treated this opportunity. They had been the recipients of the grace of God, His love, His sacrificial love through Christ that had saved them from an eternity separated from God, had changed their lives, changed their families. And they said, because God has been so generous with us in His grace, we want to be as generous as we can be with others. So we're going to give in this offering. Now, maybe what you would see on a ledger sheet, here's the amount of money that the Macedonian Christians gave versus eventually what the Corinthian Christians will give. And you'll see that the Macedonians didn't give maybe as much in a dollar amount. I don't know that. We don't know exactly how much they gave. But Corinth was a rich city. Corinth reminds me of Jacksonville. Corinth was a port city. Corinth had a large military presence. Corinth had a lot of athletic activities. I don't know if their teams won or lost, but I don't know what they were famous for. But they, they were known for being this cosmopolitan, wealthy city. Uh, religion permeated the city. Uh, Judaism, Christianity, the Roman pagan gods. I mean, Corinth was a spiritual city. Corinth prided itself on having some of the wisest people uh, to visit the city and to come from the city. So I, maybe you would look at it and you'd say, well, the Macedonians can't give as much as the Corinthians, so their gift doesn't really matter. No, that's not true. God's not looking at the amount. He's looking at the attitude. 
Paul is not encouraging equal gifts. He's encouraging equal sacrifice. And that looks different for us. looks different for you or for me. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And the Macedonian Christians gave sacrificially. They gave when it wasn't easy, when it was actually costly. So give sacrificially. The second way to give that pleases God is to give willingly. Give willingly. Don't give under compulsion. Don't give because some preacher's twisting your arm. Don't give out of guilt, but give willingly. Give because this is what God has motivated you and prompted you and enabled you to give. Here's how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. It says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Here's a key phrase. Of their own accord. Stop there for a moment. Paul says these Macedonian Christians, they were sacrificial in their giving. They gave according to their means. And Paul says, and to be honest with you, they gave beyond their means. And that doesn't make sense. That's a God thing. I don't know how they did it, Paul says. I don't know how they gave what they gave. They gave according to what they had and beyond what they had. They gave sacrificially. But they did it of their own accord. They didn't do it because Paul pressured them to do it. They did it because they wanted to do it. In fact, Paul puts it this way in verse 4. I love this. Begging us earnestly, sincerely, genuinely, truly, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I don't know if this is true or not, but in my imagination, I can just surmise the Apostle Paul was maybe a little timid in asking the Macedonian Christians to give because he's thinking they're already suffering so much. So I'm going to tell them about this offering opportunity. But you know, uh, that's as far as I'm going to go with them. And yet, instead of Paul begging them for money, they're begging Paul to give money. Now, I don't know about you, but I think most pastors would pass out. If people come running up, please, let's take up an offering. When are we taking up an offering? Please, I want to give. Please, I, I sincerely want to be a part of what God is doing. That's how they were treating this offering. They said, no, don't take this opportunity for a blessing from us. We want to be in this opportunity to help the Christians in Jerusalem. We see this as a favor that we get to do this. This is awesome that we get to be a part of this. He says, we want to give not out of outward pressure. They want to give because of an inward compulsion motivated by God. And can I say to you, that's the best way to give. That's the best way to give. You've got to figure out in your heart and mind and soul what God is asking you to do, what's important when your heart is aligned with his heart, and then let the Holy Spirit of God compel you to move you forward and to urge you to give. But sadly, in most churches, the majority of people who call the church their home don't give. They just don't. And, and I don't think it's because they're greedy. I don't think it's because they don't know that there's good things happening. I just think sometimes we haven't laid it before the Lord and said, God, what do you want me to do? Because if we ask God, what do you want me to do in my giving? He will answer. 
I can promise you that. He will show you how he wants you to put him first in every aspect of life, including in your finances. But I love that spirit of the the Macedonians begging Paul to give. In fact, I don't have it with me. Yeah, that's right. I gave it to Miss Lori Gray, our financial ministry assistant. If you ever hand me something that's got money in it, I don't hold it. I give it away because I just don't want to go home and remember that I have that in my pocket. But there's a church member, and he and his wife have done this for several years now. But this morning, I walk in the door. He comes straight over to me and puts $1,000 in my hands and says, go bless two families at Christmas. Don't tell anybody who this is coming from. Don't use our name. But God's been good to us, and we want to be a blessing to somebody else. Isn't that amazing? People coming up to the preacher say, I want to give. I'm going to give, rather than me having to beg them. In fact, this year, through the Be Rich campaign, you have an opportunity to give Christmas toys for the kids through the Florida Baptist Children's Home here in Jacksonville. You have opportunities to give food uh, through the Hunger Fight packing party that we're going to do. We buy the food through Hunger Fight, and then we pack the food, and you're going to feed thousands of people. You're also going to have an opportunity to give to help rescue women from human trafficking when you give, uh, because we're going to give part of that to her song. But the bulk of what you give, when you give of $40 or more to our Be Rich love offering, 50% of that's going to go to our own food pantry called Arlington Community Services. If you look at our economy right now, inflation is rising. People are finding it more expensive whenever they go grocery shopping. We've got people who are struggling financially in this community. And as a church, we want to bless them. And we think one of the best things we can do is make sure that there's no hungry people in this community. And so we're going to give 50% of the money that you give during this campaign to Arlington Community Services. We give them money every month through the budget you just voted on. Every month we send them money. We give them food every month because we've got receptacles all around the church where people bring food, donate the food, we go and deliver it. Uh, thousands of pounds of food every year uh, to Arlington Community Services. But we want to be prepared uh, to help even more in 2022. And we're also going to help people through Tisha's Hands. That's an organization, a nonprofit uh, led and founded by Lakeisha Burton, our Zone 2 police commander here in Jacksonville. But this is her own private, personal, uh, she and her husband, uh, their nonprofit that helps families and individuals in need, and they do it in honor of Tisha's sister who has recently passed away and who had special needs. So give, give sacrificially and give willingly. And then the third way and the final way to give that pleases God is give spiritually. Give spiritually. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. Paul's talking again about the Macedonian Christians, how they've given freely and they've begged Paul for the favor of giving. And he, he writes in verse 5, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. That's the secret. Giving yourself first to the Lord. Dedicating your life to Him. Remembering the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you have dedicated yourself to the Lord, 
He'll show you what he wants you to do. That's really what God is after. The reason God gets in our business and talks to us about our finances is because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus is saying, I want to see where your heart is. I'm not really wanting your possessions. I want to possess you. I want you. I want your heart. I want your passion. I want your commitment. I want your dedication. And the Macedonian Christians knew that, and they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the first place to begin. Giving that pleases God begins with giving ourselves back to God, who, after all, deserves us to be loyal and loving to Him. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. He's our sustainer. Everything we have comes from God. You didn't bring anything into this world, Job said. You won't take anything out of this world, Job said. Everything we have is a gift from our Father in heaven, James the apostle, the brother of Jesus said. The very breath in our lungs is from God. And because of that, we ought to first just give ourselves back to him. God, you've given me everything. I give it back to you. How do you want me to use it? How do you want me to steward and manage the resources that you've entrusted to me? Give yourself to the Lord and then let his will direct your steps. Now what? Now what? We all know this is true. We all know that giving sacrificially and giving willingly and giving spiritually is the right thing to do. But now what? We don't want to be like the Corinthians who would have said amen, Ricky, to all of these things, but a year later still had not given. They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And the Corinthians have put a lot of bricks into that good intention. We're going to do it. We're going to get around to it. But a year later, they had not done it. And we all know that it's easy to start something, but it's not always as easy to complete it, to finish it. Do you remember this? Go to that next slide. Do you remember this picture? It's called the, it's called the I-4 eyesore. You remember for over a decade, this building sat unfinished. For 10 years, it was just a steel frame and girders. Eventually, they put in the glass, but the whole building was just a shell. And people all in that area and people who traveled to Orlando on I-4 would complain about the I-4 eyesore because it was a, a testimony. It's easy to start something. It's not always so easy to finish it. But people know there's something wrong with an unfinished project. People laugh at unfinished projects. They, they mock unfinished projects. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, listen, you started this a year ago. It's time to finish it. It's time to go forward with what you know in your heart you ought to do. Listen to how he puts it in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 6 through 12. Paul writes, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. 
Paul says, I know you love the saints in Jerusalem, and I know you say you're going to be a part of helping meet their needs, but it's been a year now, and I'm not commanding you to give this offering. I'm just giving you an opportunity to show the other churches that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ just like they do. In fact, how do you know that your love is real? It's by how you demonstrate it. We talked about this last Sunday. Love can't just be something we declare. That's easy. Love has to be something we demonstrate in practical, tangible ways. And Paul is saying, demonstrate your love. I know it's real. I know it's genuine. You're not greedy, hateful people. But it's time to finish what you started. And you, you excel in everything else. And you're growing and you're doing well in all these other spiritual arenas of life. You need to excel in this spiritual arena of life as well. You're giving. You do understand that giving is a spiritual thing, right? We think that, that spiritual things are prayer, singing praise songs, and listening to sermons. That's all great. But your giving is also spiritual. It's an indication of your love for God and your love for others. Did Jesus come into this world just simply declaring God's love? Or did he also back it up with demonstrations of God's love? You see, he did both. He declared and demonstrated. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul is taking us back to eternity past before Jesus was born into this world. And he's saying as the second person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as the second person of the Godhead, Jesus was rich beyond words. He received the worship of angels. He walked on streets of gold. He created the whole universe. And yet, being rich... He humbled himself to the span of a virgin's womb and was born as one of us. And he left all the glories of heaven behind and he became the son of man. And he lived every moment of every day this life, not for himself selfishly, but sacrificially for others. And his poverty led him all the way to a rugged, bloody cross where he was stripped of his earthly belongings nailed to that cross, and he gave everything to his last drop of blood and his last breath. He gave it all. And why? Why did he who was so rich become poor? He did it for us. Did it for you, for me. He sacrificed his life so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could become rich. And contrary to what your favorite television preacher tells you, Paul's not referring to monetary riches. He's referring to the riches of God's grace, the riches of his forgiveness, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his kindness, the riches of eternal life. Jesus did all of that for us. Don't you see what Paul's done? Paul's gone and shifted his attention from the Macedonians as a single example of giving that pleases God, and he's given us the supreme example of giving that pleases God when he points us to Jesus Christ. And Paul continues in verse 10, and in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. He said, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. This is a blessing for you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, 
but also to desire to do it. Verse 11, so now, here's the only imperative in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians when he's talking about giving. It's the only imperative. Here it is. So now, finish. Finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have Verse 12, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Paul says, I know if you don't have it, you can't give it. But God wants to take what you have, and He wants to show you how He wants you to give it for His glory and for your good and for the good of the saints in Jerusalem. Paul's saying, when it comes to giving, your desire must be matched by the doing of it you got to follow through, Paul says. And one of the reasons we encourage you in this campaign is to give is because we all know in our heart we want to be a blessing. We want to show the love of Christ. But sometimes we just need an example. We need an encouragement. And we need a practical opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about being a giver, and I'm going to start being a giver. Or I'm giving, but I'm going to grow in my giving. I've been giving, but I haven't been giving sacrificially. I've been giving as I think about it, or whatever is left in my wallet after I do what I want to do. I want to start giving sacrificially, and I want to give willingly. And I want to give spiritually, because this is what God wants me to do, and I've given my life to Him, and if this is what He wants me to do, I'm going to do it. That's why we encourage you, go ahead and get involved. In your uh, time today, you saw us talking about Be Rich. Give. You can go at the end of the service, right to the back if you're in the room, and you can go there and you can say, I've got a credit card, I want to give my $40 to help us feed hungry people, rescue women, and to help the needy in our community. Go. You can do it now. The easiest way is just take your phone. You can go online to our website, fcbc.life forward slash give or giving, and just put in whatever you want to give. And then designate it, because it'll tell you what fund do you want it to go to. Just say, be rich. I want it to go to that. And every penny that you give back there or here or in the envelopes that say love jacks on them, every penny that you put in that is going to go to this campaign. It doesn't pay our light bills, doesn't pay our salaries, doesn't pay for these lights in here. It, it goes to these causes that we have felt God calling us to help. But you know me. I can't let you leave. Well, I can't let you leave. That sounds threatening. I can't let you leave. I can't let you leave without reminding you, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this church is not asking for your money. We have a gift for you. His name is Jesus. We offer him freely because he gave his life freely for you. So I'm going to encourage you today, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, trust him today. He's the one, you're the one that he became poor for. He gave us all so that you could be rich in his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. You can walk out of this place today, or you can turn this live stream off today and be the wealthiest person in the world because you're rich towards God in your faith and grace. So I want to lead us in a prayer for that. I also want you to know, if you're already a Christian, if you don't put a dime in this offering plate, you know what we're going to do? We're going to love you. We're going to pick up the phone when you call and you need us. We're going to serve you. We're going to be a church for you because we don't do it about who gives and who doesn't. We find it a joy and a blessing to make the ministries that you enjoy possible. We just invite you to join us if you'd like to help us reach even more.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this season of giving. We're so grateful for how you've been good to us. And we want to be generous with others because you've been so generous with us. So would you help us to finish what we know in our heart you're calling us to do, to give of our time, to give of our talent, and even to give of our treasure. Help us to finish it. And God, there's been a word that Paul has used over and over in these two chapters. It's the word grace. God, we cannot do anything except by your grace, your love, your unmerited favor. Would you pour out your grace upon us so that we can then pour it out for your glory on other people? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Take your time today to learn more about Be Rich at the back or go to our website, fcbc.life.